Sven says to Oli, I found this pen. Is it yours? Oli replies, Don't know. Give it here. Let me see. So Oli takes the pen and and Oli takes the pen and he tries it out and he writes on it some paper and he says, Yes, that is my pen. Then Sven says, Well, how do you know, Oli? And Oli replies, Well, that's my handwriting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's those with the Scandinavian blood that seem to <laughs> enjoy these pretty simple uh, dumb jokes. But anyhow... This morning, we're back in 2 Peter. We are doing a series of messages in 2 Peter. And I invite you to take a look at the screen if you do not have a copy of God's Word. But if you do have a copy of God's Word, whether it be in book form or as an app on your phone, I invite you to open up to it. And uh, let's uh, take a look at God's Word together this morning. We're in 2 Peter. We're in chapter 1. We're going to be finishing up chapter 1 this morning. We're going to be reading verses 12 to the end of the chapter there, so through verse 21. Again, that's Second Peter, and that's in chapter 1, and we begin reading in verse 12. So here's what uh, Peter has written for us this morning. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That brings us to the end of chapter 1 of our Bible passage this morning. When somebody goes to trial, one of the significant components of a trial, and especially if you are a lawyer, you are looking for an eyewitness. Because it's the eyewitness that can bring authenticity to the case. And so one of the lawyer's uh, objectives is when there is a witness, an eyewitness, they want to discredit that eyewitness. Because if you can discredit that eyewitness, you can cast doubt on their story or what's being said. 
Well, this morning, as we study God's Word together, we're studying, studying an eyewitness account, an eyewitness account. And even though it's an eyewitness account, the Apostle Peter here in his writings, he is dealing with others who are trying to discredit, who are trying to bring doubt on his ministry. And therefore, Peter feels it's important to speak out against these individuals that are trying to discredit him and try and set the record straight. So we are in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 12 through 21. But before we get to those verses, let's once again revisit the theme verse for 1 Peter as well as 2 Peter. And that theme verse is in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And here's what the theme verse says. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Okay? So the reason that Peter has recorded these words for us to view and read is so that he could stimulate us to wholesome thinking. And so remember that this is the key verse, and this key verse is going to affect the messages as I bring to you each Sunday. Now, let's just briefly focus on that key verse once again. Um, he says, I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Uh, you remember that the word that is translated wholesome thinking literally means sun judged. That's what it means. Wholesome thinking means sun judged. And this, this word sun judged comes from the practice where uh, people would try to hide imperfections or try to hide the scars in their pottery by using wax. You know, if they had a crack, they would take wax and fill in that crack and then paint the pot so that it looked like it was just in perfect shape. But in order to expose that crack that the wax was filling, the buyer would take the pottery and hold it up to the sun, and the sun would illuminate that crack, that, that false feature that was in that pottery. Well, Peter, he wants us, he wants to write to us and give us, if you will, that sun, all right? And uh, he wants us to be able to use his words, God's word, as a sun to to illuminate, to expose that which is false. We want, to get, we want to get away from unwholesome things. So using this sun-judged analogy, we can make two conclusions about what Peter is trying to accomplish. Here's what Peter's trying to do. This is what he's accomplishing through his analogy of a sun-judged piece of pottery. So number one, Peter writes to expose unwholesome thinking. So the reason that Peter has written these words is he wants us to have a standard, if you will. He wants to have us to have a recording by which we can evaluate and judge other matters. And so he has here, uh, it, he has wholesome thinking for us to use as we judge. So in other words, Peter's words is the sun, that bright light by which we judge and evaluate our thoughts. So that's number one. Number two, Peter writes to give us a standard under which we can operate. So number one, Peter says, okay, here's the sun, all right? Use my words to expose faulty thinking, all right? And second of all, if you're trying to decide which is right, trying to decide which way to go, trying to make a decision, well, use my words, use God's word as your standard, all right? Well, it appears here that Peter's authority 
and his truthfulness is being challenged. Peter is being accused of propagating cleverly invented stories. Uh, his accusers are what we call false teachers. And next week we will judge, we will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll visit and we'll talk about these false teachers. So that's coming in chapter 2. But just know that in chapter 2 there are some individuals, some false teachers who are trying to discredit Peter, who are trying to cast doubt on what he says, okay? They're accusing him of inventing stories, trying to be creative in his thinking and developing these uh, crazy thoughts and ideas. At least that's what they're trying to tell the people that will listen. And Peter is catching on to this, and Peter says, you know, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. And so he wants to set his readers at ease. He wants to bring encouragement and comfort to them so they're not, you know, anxious. And he says, so, you're, so that you're not anxious, he says, I'm going to bring you some wholesome thinking, all right? Some wholesome thinking by which you can make your judgments here now that these false teachers are trying to discredit and are attacking me. So, so here's his wholesome thinking for us this morning when it comes to him as an author. Uh, Peter's defense is built upon two crucial pieces of evidence, and we'll now examine those evidences at this time. So here's the first important piece of evidence that Peter presents to his readers, to us, that authenticates his words and ministry. And here's that first evidence, first piece of truth. Peter says, this message that I write to you can be trusted because I was an eyewitness. So that is the first piece of information that Peter brings to encourage and assure his readers. He says to them, okay, the things that I have recorded in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you can trust those because I was an eyewitness. I was there with Jesus. I, I, I saw Jesus, okay? I mean, I touched Jesus. I heard his words. I was there, so I'm an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. Take a look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, you know, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. Peter makes it clear. He says, these things that I have written for you come out of the fact that I was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He says, the information that I share with you and I write down is not speculation. It's not something that we as disciples have invented to amuse and entertain you. No, what we have written down comes from the fact that we were there. We were an eyewitness. We saw this. We sat down and we, and we ate with Jesus. We sat at his feet and we, we heard his teaching. So this stuff that I have recorded for you is not some you know, fancy uh, wives' tale. No, this stuff is true because we were there. Now, in addition to being an eyewitness, Peter also makes reference to the fact that he, he heard the voice of God. All right? He's not relying on someone else's story. He, he shares what he heard, okay? Just as the children this morning, they didn't believe that the kitty was in the box. No. When they, they didn't believe me, they believed the eyewitness, okay? So that's where we're at this morning. We're with the eyewitness. 
Well, Peter says, you know, not only have I seen Jesus, but I heard the voice of God. And uh, in chapter 1 there, he, he alludes to something that took place. And uh, what he's alluding to is he's talking about the transfiguration. So what I want to do at this time is take you to that passage that he's alluding to, and that's in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 10. Uh, but this is where he heard the voice of God. And this voice brings credit to his ministry of his word. So, again, that's in Mark chapter 9. And uh, this is what he's alluding to when he says, we heard the verse, voice of God, we saw the majesty of God. Well, this is the story where it took place, and it's called the transfiguration. Let me just read that for you. After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led them up on a mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Well, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. The voice said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Meant. So here, this particular story just kind of, uh, you know, lends more credit to Peter. Peter says, yes, I've seen Jesus, but something marvelous happened in our life. We as disciples, we saw Jesus transfigured. And not only did Jesus kind of change before our eyes, remember he talks about how brilliant, how bright uh, his clothes became. He says, not only did we see this, but we also heard from heaven a voice that said, this is my son, with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. And Peter is saying, you know, this stuff that I have written for you people, you know, this isn't some uh, mythical fable. Uh, this is not some cleverly invented stories. No, what I write to you, I mean, I lived, I, I seen it, I heard it, I was there. Therefore, you can trust me. And so that is the wholesome thinking that Peter is bringing to us this morning. Peter is, remember, dressing the naysayers that are trying to discredit him. And he addresses these naysayers by writing uh, words that actually took place, actually that he experienced in his life. He speaks about what he has seen and he heard. So the first piece of evidence that Peter brings, of course, is he is an eyewitness. Let's go to the second piece of crucial evidence. The second piece of evidence that he offers in his defense is the fact that his words that he has written are of divine origin. Peter says, you know, these words, not just ours, but the words of the prophets and so forth, what these gentlemen have written, what I have written, they don't have their origin in our humanness. No, what we have recorded and written for you has its origin 
in the divine one. It has its origin in God. And that's very important. Take a look at verses uh, 20 and 21. Again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. He says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, this particular Bible passage is very significant for it attests to the inspiration of Scripture. And that's a big theological term that we throw out, but it's very, very important to understand inspiration of the Scripture. What we're saying when we say those, the God's Word is inspired, or when we say the Bible uh, is recorded through the inspiration of God. What we're saying here is, by inspiration is that means God is the author. That's the simple definition. God is the author. Peter says, you know, uh, these things that we write about, you know, didn't originate with us. Rather, what we have recorded for you to read came about from God, is what he's telling us, Okay. He says, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So inspiration is very important. And again, that's one of those uh, crucial pieces of evidence that Peter is using to authenticate his message. Now, an analogy that will help us understand uh, the inspiration a little bit more is an analogy of a sailboat. Um, it's been a long time since I was in a sailboat. But one thing I do know about sailing, and there's not much, but you're at the mercy of the wind, okay? When it comes to sailing, you're at the mercy of the wind. If the wind doesn't blow, you don't go anywhere, all right? And if the wind is blowing extra hard, no matter what you do, you're going to end up in a certain place, Okay? I mean, if the wind is blowing hard, you're going to end up where the wind is blowing. Now, that's the picture that we need to have when it comes to understanding the inspiration of Scripture. God used men, but these men, remember, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These men were the sailboats, if you will. And the breath of God, the wind, came upon these men as they were sailing, and uh, Yes, these sailors, they did everything that they could, but they ended up on the other side of the lake because of the wind. That's where they ended up. They ended up on the other side of the lake. What that says to us, that uh, God used certain men. Yes, they had personalities. They had different experiences and so forth. And they bring that into the writings that they recorded for us. But in the end, they ended up on the other side of the lake. In other words, what they ended up writing down for us are the very words that God wanted us to have. Okay. So these men didn't dream up fables, okay? They didn't put their imagination to work. Rather, God did a work in them so that what these guys wrote down were the words of God. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were sailors with a sailboat. And the breath of God, the wind, the Holy Spirit compelled them and moved them to a certain place so that what we have here before us are the words of God. And that's his bit of evidence that he wants us to understand. So Peter's saying, one, first of all, he says, you can trust what I have written because I'm an eyewitness. I was there. I heard 
what was said. I heard the voice of God. I saw Jesus. I ate with Jesus and so forth. He's a credible eyewitness. So he wants us to engage in wholesome thinking, and he wants us to remember that particular fact and truth about his life. That's number one. Number two, he says, understand, too, that what we have recorded is not just coming from our imagination. No, God worked in our lives in such a way that when we recorded our words down, they were the words of God. The Holy Spirit was at work making sure that what we have before us are the very words of God. He used man, he used their personality, he used their experiences, but what we ended up here is with the word of God. So Peter has written this letter in order to stimulate wholesome thinking. This morning, he wants each of us to understand, number one, that he is an eyewitness. He's, in other words, Peter says, this is not speculation. This is fact. This is not imagination. This is truth. Because I was there. I heard, I saw, I touched. That's number one. Secondly, he says, he, he wants us to help us understand the wholesome thinking he wants us to understand that what he shares uh, with us did not have its origin in man. The words that we read did not have its origin in man. Rather, God, through the, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, made sure that what these gentlemen wrote down for us to read and study was God's word. That's what we have. The Holy Spirit was at work. So that is part of the wholesome thinking that we need to have uh, as we study God's word. One, Peter is an eyewitness. He was there. He knows what's in the box, okay, because he opened the box and he saw it. And then number two, uh, God was at work, okay, where he, he had a ministry upon and in these men so that when they wrote down the words, they wrote the words of God. They were inspired. So that brings us to the end, and now we need to talk about application. What are we going to do with this? How does this information, the fact that he's an eyewitness, and fact that, the fact, the truth, that God inspired this word, uh, what does that mean to us? How does that affect our life? Well, here's two applicational points for you. Number one, uh, these application points are not so much about doing, but about thinking. Okay? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's so important that we think properly because our thinking, our thoughts affect how we act and live, all right? So here's some good thinking that we need to engage in. This is the wholesome thinking. Uh, you can have confidence in what the various authors have written for they are eyewitnesses, okay? They saw the Lord Jesus and they heard the voice of God. So you can put your trust in the authors. So we're looking at Peter. But we also have the Apostle Paul. And then we have Matthew. And then we have Mark. And we have John. You can trust these gentlemen. You can trust these men. Because they are not writing down cleverly invented stories. No, they are recording what they actually seen, what they heard, and what they touched. Okay, so they're reliable witnesses. So that's number one. So you can have confidence in the writers. That's number one. Number two, you can rest assured that the Bible is not a bunch of man-made stories, but rather the inspired word of God. It says, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. It never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke as well as wrote 
from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, That's the inspiration. What we have is the Word of God. God carried these men along so that what they recorded for us to read and to study is, in fact, the very words of God. That's inspiration. So you can have all the confidence in the world in this book. You can trust the men who wrote it. They're eyewitnesses. That's wholesome thinking. They were there. They heard. That's wholesome thinking. And second of all, wholesome thinking involves the fact that God, through the means of the Holy Spirit, carried these men along so that what we have recorded for us and before us is actually the very Word of God. So be assured, be confident as you press on in your Christian life. Let's pray together. God, again, thanks for the opportunity just to study your word and uh, be challenged in our thinking. We thank you for these men uh, who eventually gave their very lives uh, for this. They believed it so. They were seeing it. They heard it. Uh, nothing could sway them. In fact, they died for this message. So, Lord, we can be confident in this message. And also, Father God, thank you for the truth that you were at work in the lives of these men so that when they wrote down these thoughts, when they grabbed that pen and paper and began to write, Lord, you were there making sure that what they recorded were your words. We thank you for that truth, Lord. And that's the truth. That's the wholesome thinking that governs our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.